Hey Freedomist, have you ever thought about just upping and leaving everything, taking your family to Rome, Italy to run your business from there and basically munch out on fantastic pizza and drink great coffee and wine? Well, then this episode is absolutely one you want to listen to. Welcome to the Suitcase Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Sisson from New Zealand, and I am here to show you how to create freedom in business and adventure in life. Whether you simply want a profitable business you can run from your own home and take the rest of the time off enjoying doing what you love, or if you want to travel the world and be a digital nomad, this podcast is for you. So let's go for it. So I finally got the chance to sit down with a pretty famous, famous in the online world, content writer and copywriter who actually inspired my journey way back in 2009 when I first started blogging. Some of her work was the stuff that got me wanting to become a better blogger, a better writer and to really discover the true art of copywriting. So in this episode, we don't just talk about her journey from a corporate world to copywriting as a freelancer and building up a business in a very competitive niche. So for those of you out there who are in copywriting or web design or coaching in an area that's very competitive, I think you'll really appreciate what Sonia has to say. And then we go on to talk about the move to Italy and what prompted that and how that's affected her business and her working style and her daily flow and the pros and cons of essentially being location independent in a country where you don't necessarily speak the language and things don't happen quite as quickly as you may be used to. So we had a really good jam session around that and my thoughts on being in Portugal too. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Before we dive in, I'd love to say a huge thankful and grateful shout out to HostGator, who have been my sponsor here at the Suitcase Entrepreneur Podcast for an entire year, for all of 2016. And essentially, they've also been helping hundreds of thousands of bloggers and website owners just like you and me to have real-time, beautiful hosting, 100% of the time, awesome customer service and support, and they're just really great. If you want reliable, fantastic hosting at a super affordable price, please check out hostgator.com forward slash suitcase, and you'll actually get 50% off any hosting plan. And it's only while the sponsorship lasts, so get in quick. Now let's dive into this episode. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Suitcase Entrepreneur Podcast, where we're all about creating freedom in business and adventure in life. And today is a pretty special episode. Not only are we getting close to 300 podcast episodes, but this will probably be one of my close to final interviews, and it seems very fitting that it's with the one and only Sonia Simone from Copy Blogger, who, when I first started my blog back in late 2009, I was just telling her, um, she was one of the people that I actually looked to for inspiration and obviously great advice around copywriting and content for your blog. So it seems very fitting that as I'm coming kind of to the end of an era here, that you're one of the people who started me off in this realm. So welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much. It's I'm tickled, tickled, tickled that you uh, that you asked me. So this is going to be fun. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I am too. And I think your story is pretty unique because currently you're in Rome with your family and having, I believe, a full a full year over there experiencing what That's it's right. like to live in Italy and drink great coffee and eat great pizza. And are you actually learning the language as well, or did you already know it? No, we are we are making efforts. <laughs> Of, of various success uh yeah no it's um 
you know, we did we did some prep. I mean, you know, because I believe in if you're going to go somewhere, especially for a long time, I think it's just good manners to to try and you know at least make a start with the language. But we, I, I still have quite a distance down that road to travel. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm here in Portugal attempting to learn Portuguese, and man, it's a hard language. I yeah. I feel like with Italian, you can just throw your hands around a lot more and sort of make yourself known <laughs> and have grand gestures and lots of emotion and passion, but. Um, here it's quite different so I, I try, and you've also got to fit it in around your life and your business and for you yes. your family and it feels like one of those things that's a bit of decadent you know to sit down and go through irregular verbs for an hour or something to figure Certainly. them out but yeah. it definitely yeah. makes a difference so I'd love to talk a little about your journey um, and what took you on the path initially to becoming a founding partner of Copy Blogger. Um, and then obviously what took you over to Rome. So if you'd love to just start with a the, the recap on your story for those people who don't know you, that'd be great. I would say this story probably started in 2008. You know, you probably remember we had a little bit of a global economic meltdown. Um, and I had a, a traditional job, a normal kind of a desk job um, that I didn't like, but it was getting the bills paid. I am the breadwinner in my family. My husband is a stay-at-home dad. So, you know, if we're going to indulge all of my bad habits, like sleeping indoors and buying groceries, then I have to make the money to get that done. So 2008, I had been trying at that point for a good year to find another job because I was really bored with the job that I had. Hadn't really managed to put it together. And then the global economy falls apart and people start getting laid off in the company that I work for. Um, and I think I went through three rounds of layoffs and I realized that I, I, I wanted to jump before I got pushed. I thought that being laid off would probably really just do my head in. So I decided to quit and go solo and go freelance um, right in the middle of <laughs> a horrible economic downturn. But I had you know, I had been putting some things together. So it was just the right combination of having my back against the wall and having put the resources together. Went uh, solo as a freelance copywriter. Very, very, very stressful year. Mm. But frankly, the kind of stress was more tolerable than the stress of sitting there at your desk looking out of the window of the nice office and wondering if you're next on the layoff list and when is that list coming? Mm. Um, so... Or, or even the stress of just putting up with, you know, nonsense, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> which is not zero stress either. So, yeah, so I, you know, it's really, I mean, from 2008, now it's 2016, almost 2017, and it's really been about putting one foot in front of the other. You know, I was a freelance copywriter. It made me crazy, the whole you don't kill, you don't eat kind of life of um, having to close deals all the time. So... I built a membership site, actually, that taught people who were kind of marketing allergic how to, you know, how to manage their marketing based on the things I was learning as a freelancer. That site did really well for me. It was a beautiful community. And I just kind of followed one foot in front of the other. I started working more closely with Brian Clark, who founded the Copy Blogger blog. He and I started doing projects together. Those projects went well. We did some more projects when he reorganized the company and we kind of pulled together four different companies to make copy blogger media the new company i was one of those partners so it's it's just been about you know this kind of assessing where i was figuring out what my resources were figuring out what my constraints were 
figuring out what action I could take and then seeing what happened next. And it was all one foot after the other. So it's not like there was some kind of grand plan at all. It was sort of much more like you can see as far as the headlights, you know, of your car in the dark and you just keep following the road and, um, and you keep doing your best. And that's, you know, that's all it was. Yeah, and um, I think copywriting is still a very, very competitive space to be in. So I'd love to know just at yeah. that point when you were freelancing, how did you differentiate yourself? I know there's quite a few copywriters, um, content writers and, and writers in general in my community. And I think that's one of the things they struggle with most. Did you go after a, a certain niche or a certain ideal customer or did you initially kind of just, I mean, sounds to take what you take what came your way? Um, I, you know, I definitely was not turning any work at all down at that point. <laughs> um, but I, my, my point of differentiation there, and I think it works today very, very well, is that I did have a blog that I had started when I was out there looking for work. My original thought with the blog was that it would be a great place for people who wanted to hire me as like a, as an employee to be able to just see what it was like to work with me, to see my writing, to see my business philosophy, to see my, what kind of person I am. And, you know, that would help them make a decision that would help me differentiate myself among other prospective employees. But it worked really well with, with clients. You know, I had clients who, um, I had an email list and I sent out, you know, kind of my thoughts on my topic which happened to be marketing and copywriting. And at the bottom of every single email list is like, you know, if you want some help with that, I stole that directly from Michael Port, his book, Book Yourself Solid. He has a great little script for how to tell people what you do. At the end of every single email message I sent out, I was like, you know, if you'd like some help with that, I am, I do have some availability for clients. Just hit reply to this email message and we can talk about it. And that's how I got clients. You know, yeah. I mean, it's, I didn't get a million clients, but I got enough clients. Um, and it, and it built over time. The thing about copywriting is there's a lot of low paid competition, but once you get out of that, you know, super cheap, just the people who are looking to pay nothing, once you get out of that space and start to get some real clients who know that good copy needs, you know, a real budget, those people book up quite fast. And a lot of them have more work than they know how to handle. And so once you kind of get into the right space, um, into the right kind of client and you have a portfolio and they know you're going to hit your deadlines and they know that you understand how business works, there's, you know, there's a, there's a lot of business. I mean, there's so much content being created and a lot of companies that are willing to pay a pro to create it because they want somebody who understands strategy and who understands how business works. And so it's not a quick road to get there. It really isn't. But it's there is a there there. There is a there is an end in mind. Absolutely. And I think once you get the ball rolling and you really know who you like working with and the kind of copying content that you were creating, it makes it easier. And plus you as you said, you built a list from the beginning. I think that was obviously yeah. really smart. And you I mean, we're not gonna take away from you, you do stand out because you write incredible copy. So that really helps. And obviously being excellent at the area that you're an expert in is one way to obviously get ahead and stand out from the crowd. And so with Copy Blogger, how when you started working more with Brian, how did it end up that you became sort of a founding partner? Was it that you were actually driving a lot of the initiatives in that business and um, it just felt like a natural fit and flow? Yeah, well, I mean we were 
we were sort of we would just work on some projects together. You know, we worked on we worked on his project teaching cells, and I I had a bunch of ideas for that that I came to him with as a customer. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was like, I'm a I'm a customer. And I really like the course, but I also think that the course would be a bazillion times better if we did this, 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 and this. And I could do it for you if you want. Um, so we we just did some projects together. We we suit one another. We have complementary kind of strengths, mm-hmm. and we like you know we like each other's company. And so yeah, it was, it was <laughs> That's a good thing. <laughs> it's you know it's funny because it's, it's a big deal. Yeah, I mean you can. Honestly, getting into business partnerships is so much like getting married. I was about and to it, say that. Yes, I've heard that from a lot of people. <laughs> you know, if if a person, if you're like, oh, this person really drives me nuts, but, you know, <laughs> the business reasons are all there, like, just, just don't. Because mm-hmm. they're not going to drive you less nuts as time goes on. Yeah, that's um, true. <laughs> Um, and tell us a little bit about Copy Blogger, just in case people don't know. Like for me, as I said, it, it was one of and still is one of the two main resources that I recommend for anybody starting out in blogging. And there's just so much content on there now. And you've gone through lots of iterations yeah. and beautiful redesign and really, really smart with the, the kind of free membership that leads into paid membership for more resources. So tell people a little bit about how the what the platform is today, um, just so they can get a perspective on on how big it is. Yeah, I mean, today we really sort of see it as a as a magazine, as really an online magazine for people who are producing content at a professional level. So that's a, a lot of those people are the freelance writers, but also a lot of just business owners or, you know, somebody who's like a coach or, you know, some kind of a freelancer who's not a writer. You just need to have some site copy that's going to make it's going to get you some business and you need to understand how to put your email list together. And so we talked to a lot of those, the small business owner, very small organizations. But copy blogger, I always say, is a bit of a watering hole. We get all kinds of critters. So we also get, you know, we get agency people and we get, you know, agency copywriters and and we get people who work in corporate communications. So we have a an audience that spans a lot of kinds of content creators, but almost all of them are writers you know, one or two maybe people who are more podcasters or more video people. But most of them would identify as writers. And it's really about strategy and sort of helping you write well and then write the right things that are going to help you get what you want to get, you know, more customers, more traffic, better search engine optimization, whatever it is that your goals are. Absolutely. And so what has taken you over to Rome then and how are you finding that working, I guess, from, you know, anywhere in the world, which is totally possible these days, but how do you think it's affected the way in which you're working? Yeah, we came to Rome because we could in a way. <laughs> we, we had always known my son is 11 years old. So in the United States, that puts him in sixth grade and sixth grade is a funny year in the American school system because it's in some schools, it's part of what's called middle school and in some schools it isn't. So it's this kind of neither fish nor fowl kind of year. And also I think it's the last year before you go crazy. (laughs) So we always sort of knew we wanted to take this year and live abroad somewhere. And Rome went out for a variety of reasons, many of which had to do with food. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And also just, I mean, I just, the Italian people are, by and large, lovely. 
they're just lovely. We, we, there's so much warmth here. There's so much welcoming here. The city is, we're right in the middle of the ancient city and you look around every day and it's preposterous what you're looking at just preposterous so and i think any expat will tell you this it's not as romantic as you mm-hmm. think it's going to be there's mm-hmm. a lot of i bet you are discovering this in your own your own situation there's a lot of there's some elements about it that are quite difficult but it's it's glorious i mean it's it's such a privilege to be able to do and uh and i feel very very fortunate that to be able to make it work yeah, absolutely. So I'd love for you to share a couple of your tips because I think it, it differs for every single person. Um, whenever I travel to a new country, I always give myself a buffer of a week or two just to settle in and get acquainted with the surroundings, the local infrastructure, the you know supermarkets, where's the gym or how do you get around on train trips, etc. What did you find when you first landed there? Did you actually give yourself a buffer time or were you kind of working right through? No, I I really did. But I mean, we were we were moving house also for the year. So I needed a little more time. But I I do. You know, I often for years now, I've taken long trips in the summertime going abroad. It's as you know, it's very expensive to jump across oceans on an airplane. And so if I'm going to make that investment in the plane ticket, I like to stick around for a while and get myself settled in. So, yeah, I know it's you know, you have to I think as a remote worker the first thing that you have to figure out is how's the internet Mm -hmm. you have to do anything you can before you go to make sure that you have a really solid internet depending on what you do but i mean i need i do a lot of interviews like the one you and i are doing right now i have to have great internet so i got and sometimes i get lucky and sometimes i don't this time (laughs) This time the landlord was very honest. The internet is, ex, you know, just exemplary, so that's great. And then the other thing is you have to reimagine the rhythm of your workday, uh, especially if you're changing time zones from the people that you work with. So for me right now, it actually works really nicely because I have the whole morning up until after lunch that can be focused work time. And so I can do recordings, I can do writing, I can do like strategic content planning. And so it's great uninterrupted space. I don't get my first email until uh, uh, until after lunch. So that's that's great. But the, the downside of that is I have to check in like so much more often than I used to, to just let people know like, you know, I'm still here. I'm still available. If you need me, don't hesitate to to ask. You're not bothering me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have to, you know, do more work to reassure my team that they should continue to be able. You know, if they need me, they can still count on me, and I haven't, I haven't, you know, abandoned them. And I think that that's on a on a trip longer than a standard two week holiday. I think that 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 matters if you're going to be available make sure the people who rely on you know you're available and that they believe it, you know, because everybody says, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm still available, but they have to believe it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm just going to mention one thing, Sonia. I think I can hear the microphone. I don't know if you're near it or um, tapping it, but it just there's a little um, sound in the background, so I don't want it to um, okay. rock that. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Thank you. Cool. 
Uh, one thing I found about being overseas, uh, well, basically, to be fair, any time zone outside of the US, people seem to be like, where are you in Timbuktu? Because I, I feel like they think it's such a, a huge difference. And I have some yeah. really dear friends who are on Eastern Standard Time who just never get that I'm currently, you know, six hours ahead, but it might change to five depending on the time zones. And it's yes. I love it, actually, because when you're in different parts of the world, as you said, you can have that quiet time in the morning when you're in Europe before everybody wakes up. When you're in New Zealand, I kind of like that when you wake up, it's already the afternoon in the US. So you still get to obviously jump on board and talk to them, but you don't you're not missing them for the day. Um, and the trickiest one, really, depending where you are in the world, is is quite honestly Asia, especially when you're over here. Um, actually, it's not a bad one, but I, I like the the solution and problem solving that you have to do with time zones. It certainly makes it tricky, but I do like how sometimes it gives you breathing room and other times it just yeah. makes you rearrange your working rhythms. As you said, I really like the way you stated that. That's a very, very good point. And I think with the tools and technology that we have today, there's just more and more ways of being able to not allow people to rely on the fact that you may be not answering emails. There are different communication tools like Slack where you can have your settings to do not disturb and when you're on board. And also, yeah. I think whenever I, well, I'm always traveling, but whenever I'm traveling intensely, I, you know, make it very clear that responses won't be immediate and this is what they can expect. And I think so long as you're upfront with that, then people are really good about managing their time and not expecting instantaneous responses, which is not a bad thing, I think. I think we need more of that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, I think it's very healthy mm -hmm. because it, it makes, it gets people to focus on, the request, <laughs> state it clearly, uh, give me an action item that I can, you know, so I can turn it around and give you what you need from me. I think it's actually very healthy. So once people get over the, you know, it's a change of habit. Changes of habit are always a little bit uncomfortable. But once you get work through that, it's I think it's super healthy. Yeah, absolutely. So my... My next question would be around community there in Italy. So I know when a lot of people do go and live in another country, that's one of the things they either feel very welcomed into that community, but at the same time, you're not Italian. And there's a it's the same here in Portugal. There's a, the people are very friendly, but to actually get to know them more and really get into their homes or into their families and become part of their life, that, that takes a lot longer. And they're quite private people and quite proud. And how have you found the community there in terms of actually meeting locals and then also hanging out with uh, other entrepreneurs? I don't know if that's super important to you, but I know for me, I like to be able to connect with the community on the ground there. How have you gone about doing that or how easy has that been? It's challenging. It's challenging. You know, we have a few. The funny thing is the people we're closest to here in Rome are some people who own a restaurant, actually a family owns a restaurant. And we sort of go there on Sundays. It's like our family dinner. You know, we go there and we, you know, we talk to them and we see what's going on with them and their kids and their life. And, you know, Claudia's away for a wedding this week and all the rest of it. So, you know, you and I talked a little bit about language and I'm not there yet. I'd li that's one of my most, my strongest motivators actually for working on Italian is because I really would like to be able to have more meaty conversations with people with Italian people. So there's that. I did get my my face-to-face -face Jones met a little bit because just in October we had our, our live event in Denver and I flew back for that and that was delightful. And I'd like to put together a meetup here probably, I think probably in the UK. We do have a couple of folks 
in my audience here in Italy, but only a couple, you know, like two that I, that I know of who are sort of really active in the community. So I would like to, I would like to create more of a face-to-face element. It's just enjoyable, you know, when you can meet people and talk to them. I do so much online community, but I would love to, to put together more offline face-to-face community elements as well. I love that. And that's been one of the things that's really helped me when I'm moving around the world is holding meetups. And I think your community and especially would love that and even some potential tours of Rome and um, yeah, just going through for the food and the wine and all the good things that come with it combined and with some really awesome copywriting (laughs) and night workshops could be a really beautiful move. Yeah. And how is the family adjusted as well? Because I think that's that's a big question. I mean, you, you're, as you said, you're the main breadwinner. So that it goes on for you regardless. But your husband and your kids, are they enjoying it? Are they embracing it? Do they miss certain things? Obviously, about being back at home, I'm sure they do. But if they, in general, embraced it? Yeah. No, I would say definitely. We all have days we get homesick. And we all have days when, especially people, you know, back home that we that we miss. Obviously, we all got a surprise with the election this week. So that's been a thing because we're, we're far away from it. And so it feels very, you know, it feels very strange not to be home and to be able to kind of have those intense conversations that you have after a big surprise result on an election. I was actually overseas uh, on 9-11. I was in Paris, um, Mm on 9-11 and couldn't get home for, I don't know, a week maybe. I had that weirdly disconnected and wanting to be, wanting to be close to people. So that's, you know, that's been, uh, it's, it's been a week <laughs> for that. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, we have, you know, we have our homesick days, but by and large, I think we're all really, tr- we, we all really, even my 11 year old really is aware that of how quickly time goes because we're only here for a year. We're not, we're not here forever. Yeah. Uh, and every, literally every week I've got my bullet journal and every week in my bullet journal, I have a box at the top of the week and it tells me how many weeks we have left in Rome. Mm. How many you do you have left? We have 30, let's see, 35, okay. 35 weeks left okay, in Rome. So you've got a long time. Um, will you intend to travel on and live in any other places or is this a, a one-off one year experiment to see how it feels? Uh, this is a one. This is a one-year experiment. We will. We will for sure go back uh, in the summer, mm-hmm. and then you know after that, I think we'll 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 take we'll, we'll assess. We'll do the same thing I do with my business. We'll mm-hmm. take stock, look at the pros, look at the cons, and decide: Do we want to do it again? When? Where? You know, what would the timing look like? So it's, you know, I think we'll do it again, but mm-hmm. it is, it's, there's so much paperwork, there's so much to do with making it happen that we're not in a screaming hurry to do it. <laughs> yeah, no, no, fair enough. Uh, Actually, if you are open to going through just a couple of pros and cons that you've seen so far, because I was going to say that I'm sure some of the Italian 
customs and cultures have probably started rubbing off a little. I find when I'm in Europe, there's a better sense of family, downtime, relaxed time, and a better sense of balance. Um, that's that's my finding. I don't know if you found that, but I'd love to know a couple of your pros and cons that you could already put on that list for Italy and, and versus somewhere else. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, the, the, the whole concept, loyalty, the, the Italian people are so loyal, you know, to the degree that like when you go to the little market to get your fruits and vegetables, you kind of have your person that you go to and you don't want to be caught like cheating on your fruit and vegetable <laughs> guy, you know, because they, they get very unhappy with you. So, you know, yeah, that sense of loyalty, for sure, that sense of, of balance and taking time and being very mindful. And I have to say, it's so there's such a payoff for being mindful when every time you stop and look around, you're looking at something that's like the most beautiful thing you ever saw. So that's mm-hmm. kind of cheating, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, the thing about the Italians that I think I really admire is that they do stop and they enjoy the life they have. They enjoy what they're eating and they enjoy they enjoy their kids you know, they mm-hmm. take the time to just stop and like really enjoy the time they spend with their kids. And I think in the States, people move away from that because they're so busy. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's, you know, that's kind of beautiful. But the other, I mean, the other side of it, and it's so stereotypical, but the two things, everybody knows that Italy is not an efficient country. I think that's mm-hmm. the stereotype. We all get it. What people don't know i think outside of italy is it's a very bureaucratic country so there's layer upon layer upon layer of paperwork and bureaucracy often conflicting bureaucracy at every turn and so you have all of this paperwork you have to do you have all of these sort of things you have to check in with and then like the rules change and it's you know nobody works in august and nobody works (laughs) In December and... uh, Yeah, I built my house in August, by the way, so I know how that goes. (laughs) Oh, my goodness gracious, yes. So so that's, you know, just getting getting our paperwork to stay here has been uh, expensive and Mm. very time-consuming and very Mm. brain-consuming. Tomorrow I've got a three-hour appointment to go wait and have my fingerprints taken, you know. Fine. bananas so so it's i mean that's that's a thing you know and i think Um, that's a thing that i'm really glad you brought it up because for for those of you out here listening to this and thinking of going somewhere else the the paperwork and the bureaucracy depending on which place you go especially in europe where i think it is more (laughs) relaxed um it can actually be much more time consuming than you think and it can kind of interrupt and disrupt your everyday business life so and personal life. So I think it's really good to note that and to be flexible and know that those things may or may not happen. So I certainly learned a few lessons with trying to get a mortgage here and the way things work and ended up actually having to do it through New Zealand, which took four days as opposed to two months. Um, But just, 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 I think being mindful of that and maybe not letting it frustrate you or I mean, it sounds so easy to do, but really those things are going to happen. So if you if you're ready for them and prepared for things, it makes it a little bit easier to deal with. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And um, what are you excited most about for 2017? 
Uh, I'd love to know a little about your plans going forward that you can share with my freedomists. But what do you what do you think is exciting you most about 2017? Uh, at the moment, just being done with 2016 would be great. This is <laughs> no right. This year has been ridiculous. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I think that you know the thing about business, any business, but I think even more so online. Uh, I, you know, I talked about putting one foot in front of the other, and I'm still putting one foot in front of the other. You know, there's still things, there are some things opening up. It's still really preliminary, so we'll we'll see where they go. But I'm I'm still constantly looking at, you know, what have we got in front of us? What's, you know, what's happening? What's working? What's not working? How can we make some adjustments? What could we do better? What could we do more? It's a constant, you know, you don't really get very long periods of being able to coast. And I think that's even more true online just because the Internet makes everything change quickly. Uh, and so what works for you really well one year, the next year is like, oh, it's getting a little soft or sometimes even abruptly. You know, it gets very, uh, it kind of crashes on you. So, yeah, we're going to be, you know, we're going to be looking at some things. We have some kind of neat we have some kind of neat ideas for different product mixes and different different angles on products coming up for I'm hoping we're going to start launching them in January. And mm. so that's 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 going to be exciting, but it's all I mean we're still cooking it. We're like in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> on that note though, Badly. in that kitchen, have you seen any um ingredients that you feel are working particularly well because I feel there's been you know, from what I can see and observe online, there's been an onslaught of starting courses. There's been an onslaught of kind of, the, I think the eBooks obviously are still around and ways of education are changing. But have you found that you're going to be doing anything distinctly different next year or are you just improving on what you've already got? I'm always interested to know how people are tackling new offerings and bringing those into the world. I think for us, the most important thing always was, and then we keep learning this lesson over and over, is what is it people wanting from us? Mm -hmm. So not necessarily what do people want, you know, courses are hot, ebooks are cold, whatever. It, it doesn't even matter. It's, well, do people want courses from us or do they want to see software from us mm -hmm. or do they want to see services from us or do they want to see, you know, do they want education to come bundled with uh, platform like Rainmaker platform, or do they want it to stand alone? Mm -hmm. And so it's really looking at the at the audience and what what they're going for because you can get very very sidetracked trying to go down. You know, well, like a lot of people feel like eBooks have kind of maxed out because Amazon sells them for seven dollars. So mm -hmm. eBooks cost seven dollars now or three dollars if they're small. But you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't make that choice or that decision without really taking a look at the audience I had in front of me and saying, I don't know, do they want an ebook or do they want something different? Maybe mm -hmm. they maybe they still really want an ebook. Maybe that's exactly what they want. So And do you survey your audience regularly? I, I do one obviously every single year, but I have kind of inbuilt things within my sales funnel to get answers so that I know that I'm still serving them in the best way. Do you guys do something similar? We don't have anything formal. We, we're not big on formal, apparently. Um, <laughs> so we, you know, we tend to have kind of a project-based, like we'll do sort of project-based outreach mm -hmm. and, you know, realize we need some intelligence in a particular area of the company and kind of get out and talk to people. 
we do a lot of low key listening, but also we have, you know, we have this community of content marketers and a lot of the listening happens there because these are people who have paid to be in our community, you know, and so they're, they get more voice, (laughs) you know, I mean, they're the people who are the most invested. So they're the people whose opinions I really, really want to make sure I hear from. And so we have, that's a great luxury in our business. Not every business is going to, is going to have that, but we happen to have that luxury of a paying community of, of many people who have problems and frustrations and interests and Mm -hmm. things they want to go after. And so we can kind of keep our ear to the ground that way. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think we may get more formal about more of a, more of a survey process. We've always been, we've always been wary of it because, you know, how you design a survey can, can bend the data. And so we've always been a little nervous about bending the data by asking leading questions or, you know, something along those lines. But I think that we will um, start doing a very open-ended, you know, free form, let us know what's on your mind kind of survey. Cause I, I think it's a good tool. Yeah, I like the freeform open-ended and then I think also mixed in with some, you know, easier to answer choice or choice to help them categorize where they're at and what stage they're at and then be able to have the open-ended is really good. And just mining for gold and everything in your comments and email replies on social media, the general kind of observation within your community, so important to keep a finger on and keep a pulse on and as you said not just generating things for the sake of it but actually really listening and then responding with what they need. I think a lot of us could do a lot more of that in 2017. So I thank you for your wisdom around that. Where is the best place for people to find you online and to follow your journey, um, both personally and professionally? Two best places probably, Copy Blogger Blog. Uh, you know, I'm I'm on there. I Typically I'll write something, I'll have something published there three weeks out of four, kind of in that rhythm. And we do have a podcast, Copy Blogger FM podcast. You just find it going to copyblogger.fm. That's a that's a good place to find me. I am sporadically on Twitter, so <laughs> I I'll go all in on Twitter and really I I like Twitter. I like the rhythms of Twitter a lot, um, and I'm just at Sonia Simone there, so I'm easy to find there. But I do warn you, I go on lengthy breaks, you know, because because you can because you're a because Twitter and because <laughs> Twitter doesn't doesn't do anything to pay my. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes I need a break from, and just sometimes, you know, mentally you need a break from social. So, yeah. but that is a great, Twitter is a great place to just kind of, you know, just say, tap me on the shoulder, say, Hey, what's up? How you doing? And also actually the comments on, especially the comments on the blog, but also especially the comments on the podcast mm. are a great way. If you have a question, feel free. You could even ask a question for me to answer on a podcast. I, I, I always enjoy that. So yeah. I'm not too hard to get hold of, um, especially around copyblogger.com. Perfect. Thank you so much for your time today. I'm really glad that you're enjoying Italia and um, all the good food and all the wonderful cultural aspects, the good and the bad and the ugly there. there and I go. definitely think you should get out driving in, <laughs> in the streets of Rome <laughs> just once to say you did it and survived. Oh, Madonna. <laughs> So I hope you enjoyed that interview and as I said we're at episode 294 so we're coming up for the last sort of six episodes of this podcast uh, before the changeover to Freedomist and going into a more narrative podcast which I 
I'm so glad that so many of you have already told me you're really excited about. So don't worry, I'm not going anywhere. The format of the show is just going to change a little and you're going to be coming with me on my journey to discovering freedom in business and adventure in life.